This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their f- Have you gotten Rommel yet? What's up, y'all? Welcome on into the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Rush Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio, where we got a breaking news edition of the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Joined by Ryan Callahan to discuss big, big news for Tennessee football. The Vols uh, season has just ended. The news, however, has not. Ryan Brew McCoy has announced he is coming back for his final season at Tennessee. Big, big news for Tennessee. It definitely is, and it makes it easier to uh, to kind of piece together what Tennessee's offense is going to look like next year. And frankly, you know, just looking at this compared to what I would have projected two or three months ago, way more returning players uh, for next season on the offensive side of the ball in particular than, than what I would have expected. You know, we were worried at one point that Tennessee's offensive line would would lose three or four guys uh, that, that were seniors uh, this year and, and had the option of uh, – uh, of returning, we thought those guys might not choose to return. It looks like they they all everyone that had the option is probably going to come back. Uh, and then it, uh, and then obviously Brew McCoy before his injury uh, that he suffered in the South Carolina game in late September, um, that that looked like a situation where he certainly wanted to go to the NFL. And I, I based on everything I'd heard before that, I think he had every intention mm-hmm. of going to the NFL draft uh, after this season, as long as he'd played the season. Uh, played the season out and, and and played well enough to to feel he was still on that on that path. But based on the 2022 season he had uh, and the way this year had started, uh, I think certainly felt he was going to be in position to leave for the draft. And, and let's face it, came to Tennessee thinking he was going to be a one and done player at yep. Tennessee. So he certainly never envisioned himself being a three year player at Tennessee. But the way that injury happened and the way things have played out for Tennessee on the offensive line, it looks like they're going to have a lot of those guys back. And now Brew McCoy. Well, obviously one of them. So a big deal there to, to get a little more certainty, a little more veteran presence, and obviously a, a unique skill set that we'll touch on here in a few minutes that uh, that gives Tennessee something they can really count on at the wide receiver position and, and gives a, adds a, a unique kind of hard-to-find um, skill set and, and some strengths to the offense that you don't always find in wide receivers, obviously with his size and physicality, but just a, just a big deal for Tennessee. And, and I think certainly one Tennessee's excited about too, because of just what he brings to that locker room, his work ethic, his approach. Uh, I think in a lot of ways, they just kind of see him as, as the, as the model teammate, which is kind of funny to think on what his reputation was yep. before he got to Tennessee, but he's turned out to be uh, a really a model citizen for Tennessee off the field and a guy that they want as, as one of the, kind of the the centerpieces of that offense in terms of his mental makeup and his approach every day. And, and with, a, with a young quarterback like Nico Iamaliava, I think it's 
you know, big for, to, to have some guys like that in the locker room to kind of set the tempo and, and, and set the mood. And, and it's a big deal for, for Tennessee to get them back for a lot of reasons, but certainly that's one of them. Yeah, it, it's amazing that, you know, we, we live in an awfully judgmental society, but young people have a way at times when you give them a second chance. Sometimes they really, really make good on that chance, right? I mean, it does happen. And, and whatever was said about Brew McCoy before he got t- to Tennessee, everything that has been said about him from the moment he arrived in Knoxville has been nothing but positive. And I'm, I'm not just saying that. Like, if, if there were things behind the scenes, we would either mention that or not say anything. Like, the... the there's been nothing but good things said about McCoy since he's been at Tennessee and the, the figure that he is, the work ethic he has, the way he carries himself, the way he talks to the younger people on the team. Just nothing but positive things that, that anyone's ever had to say about McCoy since he's been at Tennessee. I do want to talk a lot in the second segment, Ryan, about how much this affects Tennessee and what this means for the personnel, what this means for the offense, what that means for the wide receivers, yada, yada. That's really important, and I want to hit on that. But before we do that, I do want to, in the first segment here, talk about McCoy and this decision for him. And and I'll be honest, uh, everything that, that you just said – I think is 100% accurate. McCoy, until that injury, was 1,000%, I think, going to turn pro. There was no doubt about it. He was at the age. He had the stuff on film. It was his chance. It was his time to go. It was just going to happen. But from the moment that injury happened, and again, I'm not a doctor. Ryan, you're not a doctor. Neither one of us is even remotely smart enough to, to understand some of these medical things. We don't know what his injury rehab is like, and we don't know what that's how that's going to affect him as a player. But just from the moment that injury happened, it just seemed to me like from a practical standpoint – this was the decision that he needed to make. Now, I wouldn't have judged it if he had decided to go because you know what? If he's at a certain age and he just wants to go next stage in his life, no problem with that, man. It's your life. Go make a decision. But this just seemed to me from the beginning like the practical decision, which was if you come back to Tennessee, you're probably going to get a nice chunk of NIL money. They're going to help you get through some stuff. You're going to be able to have a season with a good quarterback, a really talented quarterback, and you could put some more stuff on film, and you will be older when you get to the NFL, but you'll have a season where you're healthy to show people stuff. This, to me, just seemed like the decision he had to make. In a lot of ways, yes. I, I think it was still a tough call because, as you said, I think he was pretty set on certainly going into the year early in the season thinking, hey, I, I'm, I'm going to the draft after this year. Like I thought I was a one-and-done guy at Tennessee, but I'm, I'm definitely leaving. I had a pretty good year last year, going to have another good year this year as kind of the go-to guy on offense, and, and, and I'll move on. And, and it's hard to get out of that mindset once you start thinking that way. Yep. And and you certainly could have argued too because it, you know coming from USC he hadn't proven it yet you know he was still one of those players out of the transfer portal that needed to show he could be a productive player at the college level he obviously showed that last year now he did it with Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman at times uh, on the field with him so he was not the go to guy in that offense and that made it easier for him uh, but it, still he had shown he can be a productive player he made you know made some really in, important tough catches. Made a lot of good catches in tight coverage, uh, including obviously a huge catch against Alabama that helped Tennessee pull yeah, off that win. Which he needs uh, in to do. Fashion. Which he needs to do because he's not a burner. Never has been. Never will be. Yep. Those are the plays he's got to make. Absolutely. So he so he sh- he'd shown he could do that, and you could have argued that even if he didn't really add to to what he did the year before, even if his numbers had just been okay this season, you know, six hundred yards, whatever, you know, nothing special, but just more of what he did last year. As, as a second or third option in that passing game, that, that, that he had probably shown enough to, to go to the NFL and take his chances. And, and, and you at least could have argued that, you know, the benefits of coming back at that point would have been so minimal that, like, just go ahead and take your chances. Even if you're afraid you're an undrafted free agent at this point or a late-round pick, that, that might be because that's all you're ever going to be. And just, just go and, and, like Jawan Jennings, get drafted late and, and, and earn yourself a, a spot with your performance once you get to the league. Um, you know, and, and even after the injury, I think that thought process might have entered his mind that, hey, I, I think I've already shown enough. You know, as long as I'm as long as I'm uh, available and not you know injured to the point that I can't be healthy going into my rookie season in the NFL, I'm OK. But that's where that injury and we said this even the night that it happened, I think, in our podcast that night after the South Carolina game. Even at the time, it seemed like it was at the very least going to complicate 
yes. his thought process. And the big problem is a guy like him who was going to be probably a late round projection um, for the draft needs to be available for pre-draft workouts. Yeah, he, he, really he, he was you. he was undraftable, I think, at this point going into this year because he was a late round guy probably anyway, maybe at the best case scenario, like fifth yeah. round, maybe something best case scenario. But he was he was a late round guy probably. So that at that point, Ryan, who's picking him? Right. And that's so that's the tough call is when you're you know, you, you can you can certainly now, there, there are examples on, of taking. I, I do think he's an NFL player. I'm going to I'll say that yeah. again in the first segment. I'll say it in the second segment. He, in my mind, is one thousand percent a future NFL player. I don't mean that as any disrespect. I just mean if you're that late round, if you're a late rounder anyway and teams have huge red flags or concerns about your health, you ain't getting drafted. Right, and that, that's what I was going to say. You you can certainly find examples of guys who have gotten drafted before that were, you know, injury risk or they were coming off serious injuries, uh, and, and teams had had serious questions about them health wise. But usually, it's because those were earlier mid round guys who who slid a little bit because of those injury concerns. It's hard to go in as a late round guy, and and then have an injury red flag. You know. He's going to want a more immediate contributor most of the time unless they are really, really high on your long-term upside. So, yeah, it would have complicated his draft stock quite a bit. And I think that I think that's why he sort of waited a little bit longer. At least that's one of the reasons he waited a little longer to make this decision. He's worked really hard on his rehab, and I think the first few months of it have gone pretty well. He's spent the last, uh, the last few weeks out in California working with a specialist um, that, that's one of the apparently one of the leading guys in his field. And, and helping him uh, continue to make progress in his recovery. And it sounds like from what I've heard so far, he's, he's a little ahead of schedule in that. Uh, and that's, you know, obviously you don't know that it's going to turn out that way the rest of the way, but he's off to a really good start that suggests maybe he could be back for some of that stuff uh, with pre-draft workouts. I'm not sure what an exact timeline might be, but that there might be a chance for him to do that. But you always worry about, you know, doing it too soon and, you know, having a setback. Uh, so, so yeah, th- that's that's maybe why he waited a little longer, just to kind of see how all that was going to go. If he felt like he was on track to be able to 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 make himself available available for pre-draft workouts, because that's obviously the big question about him: speed. How's he going to test at, at you know on, on a pro day or, or at the very least, even if not the combine, you know, something like that. And 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 what are teams going to think about him after seeing him in person with the, with his kind of unique skill set? You know, that that size. And all the physicality that he brings at that position is blocking on the perimeter, all those things. You know, he's a guy who's going to show well, I think, in interviews. Mm-hmm. He's going to, he, and, he, and he could show well in some ways in a pro day setting, um, where position drills could could help him add to you know what you what you would see, obviously, with just running a forty or something like that. So he he, I think, needed those workouts and felt that that was going to be important to him to kind of accentuate his his value, uh, improve his stock a little bit, and. Just not knowing whether he was going to have that availability or, or having doubts about it, I think it just made it an easy decision for him to come back. So, you know, I, again, I think it was, like you said, probably the right decision for him, the unavoidable decision. But I think in his case, he might have wanted to wait as long as possible just to see what what things were looking like, see what his projected time frame might be, especially knowing he was ahead of schedule in the first few months of this process and, and just kind of go from there and wait it out and make sure that's the right right call for a guy who clearly didn't want to spend six years in in college but in this case it was just it was sort of just the obvious move well the last thing i got before before the break ryan is i think we we mentioned a little bit earlier brew mccoy's maturity right how every moment that he's been at tennessee people have have praised his his sort of maturity the way his work ethic all those things and i think it says a lot about a young man who makes a decision like this despite this not necessarily being what he envisioned or what he wanted to do, he was still open-minded enough to know it was the right thing to do. And he made that decision anyway. Like he, he didn't make an impulsive decision to just go ahead and go and say, screw it. And, you know, Dan, the torpedoes full speed ahead. He thought through this and he took his time and I think he arrived at the right place. And I kind of thought that's why I thought he would come back because th- that requires two things. One, it, it requires, you know, y- you sort of you have to like know it's the right thing to do and you have to accept that. Right. Like you have to go through the process and then you have to sort of accept that it's the right thing to do. But you have to have the maturity to to understand and accept that. And, he, and he's done that. And I that, that's just why I'm not surprised 
because I just kind of thought it would happen. I thought it might happen before Christmas, but it's happened now. And I think it speaks to the way he can sit back and think about things and make the right call. Yeah, I, I think that is that there's a lot to be said for that. And I, I think there's probably a part of him that deep down thinks he still has another level to his game that he hasn't mm-hmm. shown to. And I think that's probably the other part of this that makes it easier to make that decision is his college career in a lot of ways just hasn't gone the way he thought it would. He was a top 10 player oh, God, coming out yes. of high school. God, yes. I mean, massive prospect. So so for even if he's a late round draft pick in his mind, that's that's not the way he thought his college career was going to go five years ago. So he's had a tumultuous road, and this injury is just the latest step in that. Uh, and, and I think in a lot of ways, he probably thinks that another year, as you said, playing with a really good quarterback, there's a lot of excitement about what this offense could look like with Nico Iamaliava at the helm. Um, you know, especially after the the the, the Citrus Bowl, not an eye popping op- offensive performance, but enough for people to say, "Hey, Nico's got something. He looks like he's going to you know have a chance to live up to the hype." get in that offense next year, give him another proven weapon to go to. And 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 you've got something there and you can maybe put up better numbers uh, with a guy like that than you might have this year when Tennessee's offense, you know, took a step back, frankly, from what they were uh, with Hendon Hooker. But all, all that together. Yeah. I think just knowing that or thinking deep down that there might be another level for him to, to reach knowing the realities of the workout schedule and, and just knowing that he he's confident enough in his abilities that he thinks another year, and a normal offseason and, and normal draft, pre-draft workouts and all that will be really valuable and beneficial to him. It, it, it all just made sense. But, yeah, I, I think give him a lot of credit for being being realistic about it, not forcing it, not not thinking, you know what, that's what I wanted to do and I'm going to do it because I, I, I'll screw it, I'll make it work. You know, I think I think credit to him for, for being flexible because a lot of kids do make the wrong decisions. You know, we've seen former Tennessee players, frankly, make mm-hmm. the wrong decisions about going going pro early and – forcing it because they think they're ready and they get bad advice from from one person and then that next thing you know they're going undrafted and their their pro career is is over in pretty short order even with a camp invite so it, I, I think he got some good advice on this i think he, he weighed his options took took his time and and, and made the right decision and, and let's you know credit tennessee too or, or you know we'll, we'll certainly see how this works out but obviously one of the things you you weigh this time of year and this will kind of play into what we'll talk about in the second segment you know, one of the one of the options here for Tennessee was was not to really make a push for, for Brew McCoy to come back. Yep. You know, in, in the in the in the NIL era, in the transfer portal era, it's easy enough to just make it clear to a guy that hey, if you want to come back, great, but we've got other options that might give us a chance to to in our minds maybe maybe get better. And you know, people have seen Evan Stewart and his name out there, and some other other big names in the transfer portal that popped up. Tennessee's already got Chris Brazel from from Tulane as uh, as an incoming transfer. You know, having guys like that here as, as just exciting possibilities makes people think, why not go get someone like that? And and that way you're good whether Brew comes back or not. And it's it, it would be interesting from Tennessee's perspective to explore those possibilities probably, but they've never really gone all in on that. And I think that's partly because their plan, their plan A in a lot of ways was just to bring back Brew McCoy. So I think they they wanted this outcome. I think they're excited about the possibility of him again leading that offense and being a veteran presence in the locker room and i think this is what they what they wanted to to have offensively next year you know even with the you know the limitations speed wise he might have and things like that they just think this is the best case scenario so credit them for for knowing that they wanted him back and that they weren't as as interested in exploring those options in the transfer portal as they were in bringing him back you know what ryan that dovetails really nicely with what i wanted to talk about to lead off the second segment anyway so i think we've sort of organically been given a really nice uh, break point here so what we're going to do is step away for just a second pay some bills listen to product services in-house ads etc and then come right back here and talk more about this big big news for tennessee football on the go vols 24 7 podcast hashtag ad from producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game full speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. 
Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever product, services, and in-house ad you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Ryan Callahan coming to you not from Fort Rucker Studio. Nonetheless, he's here in spirit because we are discussing a big, big, big announcement for Tennessee football. Brew McCoy, senior wide receiver, has decided to come back to Knoxville for one final college season. He has just announced that. Uh, sort of sort of expected that to happen, and it did happen. It came together for Tennessee. Good good news that they very badly wanted. They very much wanted this to happen. We'll talk about that here in a second. Uh, but before we do that, just a, a quick request from our end. If you could take about a minute out of your day right now, please go in there, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. We really would appreciate that. Uh, if you're just listening on the website at GoVols247.com, A-OK. Nothing wrong with that. No wrong way to consume this podcast. Does help us out a lot more, though, if you go in there on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Amazon, anywhere in the world you can cast a fine pod. You can find this GoVols 24-7 podcast. We do this for free. We're happy to do it. It's a labor of love. No complaints. But since we're doing it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go in there, rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, tell everybody that you want to know, tell everybody that you already know, tell people you see wearing orange, just tell people you would be amazed how the numbers of this thing grow week over week, month over month, year over year. And a lot of it is just people telling other people in their lives about it. So if you're already doing all that stuff, thank you. We love you. If not, I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul. Ryan, you mentioned there at the end of the first segment, something that I, it leads into what I wanted to talk about anyway. So that's, that's what made it a good break point there. What was, you talked about how this was probably like a plan a type thing for Tennessee. Maybe don't push for some other big names or other potential intriguing options in the portal because they want to brew McCoy back. And I think that's a fair discussion because there are things about Brew McCoy's game. He's not what you would call like a the complete package at wide receiver, right? He doesn't he's had a couple of like long plays, but he's not like a big yak guy. He's not a, you know, catch and run guy. There, there's things about his game like very few receivers are are perfect, perfect players. And he's got some things in his game that, that could be better. But I think the role that he has for this Tennessee offense he's just so perfect for what Tennessee does. And I think Tennessee knows that. And what I'm talking about is first off, just his size out there on the perimeter. He is a man. I don't know how many defensive backs he'll go against at this or any other level who will be stronger than he is. He is, looks like a linebacker out there or a tight end at wide receiver. He's a big dude, big, strong dude, but it's not just the way that he can box out guys and make those plays. It's not just those ball skills. I lost track of how many times during the season after Brew McCoy got hurt where I watched Tennessee run one of those little flare passes out to the outside, right? It's it's an extension of the run game. And Tennessee could just could it was like a 5-yard to 10-yard layup when Tennessee would do that stuff. Because Brew McCoy was blocking for a lot of it. When Brew McCoy left the lineup and you had like Chaz Nimrods and other guys out there trying to block, it wasn't the same thing. Like, Ramel Keaton was a solid blocker. He was always a very good blocker for Tennessee. But Brew McCoy is a completely different beast out there. I don't know that there's a wide receiver in college football who does what he does in those ways. I remember McAllen Castles had that, whatever, 60-yard touchdown or whatever earlier this season, 60, 70 yards, where Brew McCoy blocked his guy for the entirety of that time. Like, 60, 70 yards just bullying his ass down the field. And Brew McCoy does that kind of stuff on a regular basis. And I think when you look at the rest of Tennessee's wide receivers, when, when you look at building a, a team, like it's like I think of wide receiver records like a basketball team, right? You want some guards, some wings, some big guys. They didn't have another Brew McCoy. And it's hard to go get another Brew McCoy because you're not going to see a lot of 18-year-olds who look like Brew McCoy. I just think what he does, how he fits this offense, I just think it's huge. And I understand arguments to the contrary, Ryan, but I think it's huge for Tennessee that he came back. Well, I, I like the way you explained that, you know, because I think that's that's something people have to keep in mind. I think some people just see Josh Heupel's offense and think you need speed, you need you need playmaking ability because this offense is all about getting guys open and letting them run and, and just, you know, run after the catch, get get open deep down the field. Both all of the above, and and take taking quick passes and making something happen, which is not always Brew McCoy's strength. He he gets some of those passes, but 
you know, when he makes plays on those, it's often because he's broken a tackle, yep. frankly, yep. not because he ran past somebody, um, which he can do that too. And that's another way to get yards after the catch. But I, I think it, it shows you that there is some value in, in Tennessee's mind too, in having guys with different skill sets that complement one another. You, you now add a Chris Brazel, who's a, a, a guy who can go up and get it. A, a guy who can, who ha- has a little more speed. I, I don't know that he's a, Four four guy, but has good speed. When out he gets there. out and goes, because um, of those strides, he goes. Yes, absolutely. And so, so you've got a, and he's taller. Um, so you've got a, a you know, a taller guy there. And Brew McCoy's taller, but not, not maybe as much of a go up and get it guy. Not a crazy vertical, probably, but still a good one. Um, and then he can make the contested catches and brings more physicality. And then you've got Squirrel White with the speed in the slot. And then they do have some some exciting guys coming in behind them. You know, obviously yeah. you've you. We've got to wait and see what happens with you know with Dante Thornton. Uh, I think guys like that in the in the transfer portal now, knowing that they can transfer a second time without graduating. You wonder if a guy like Thornton is going to be impacted by that at, at all. So we'll we'll see about uh, about him and some other players who might at least consider transferring for a second time. I'm not saying he will. I don't I don't know that he's thinking about that, but it's it's something that you have to wonder about. It's not crazy. That, again, it's it's not crazy. Yeah. Yeah, certainly knowing that Brew McCoy is coming back, he can look around the room and say, well, they brought in Chris Brazel and Brew's coming back. So at the very least, it's three guys competing for two outside starting spots, assuming that he's assuming that he's not an option to re, to start over Squirrel White next season, which I wouldn't think he is, given that he seemed mm-hmm. to play better at the outside position than when he moved there. And and Squirrel White's pretty solidified, I think, at this point, as, as far as his role on this team. So. So, yeah, you would think that complicates it, and maybe he could leave, but you could have him coming back. And then you you add Mike Matthews, Braylon Staley. You still got Chaz Nimrod and, and, and Caleb Webb. You've got a lot of other possibilities there, but uh, to, to, to bring back those, you know, those two starters in Brew McCoy and Squirrel White and then potentially add a, a Brazel or, or maybe Dante Thornton takes a step and, as a starter again next season, you know, that, that's a pretty good combination out there. And I think it's interesting what it says, too, because how many times early in the season, even before Brew McCoy's injury, did we say that we thought Tennessee's offense had taken a step back, not just because of Joe Milton's struggles, but because the wide receiver yes. play wasn't good enough. You could and just watch I, film. You could see it all year. Yeah. And, and so I thought that might enter their thought process on this to, to what we were talking about before, that, that bringing back Brew McCoy was kind of a plan A move for them. Uh, I it's interesting because if you if you think the wide receiver play is a problem, you would think you might welcome some turnover there and that the opportunity to go maybe get one of those big-time players in the portal might be too enticing to turn down or you at least kick the tires a little more. And maybe they did. You know, It's hard to say for sure you know, how, how far those conversations got with Evan Stewart. And that, and that one's still not over at the, as of the recording of this podcast. You know, Maybe something changes there. But as of right now, I wouldn't say the odds are, are looking very good that he ends up at Tennessee. Um, but, but maybe they've looked into some of those options and decided, and that played into their thinking that, hey, this just makes too much sense. Bring back Brew McCoy. And, He's and, their and, guy. And, He's their guy. Yeah. So, so I think it tells us a little bit more that maybe if you read into actions more than, than what we thought we were seeing early in the year, maybe they think with, with Nico especially – that they're not that the wide receiver play is not the problem. That the wide receiver play is less of a problem than we thought, and you're going to be okay bringing back two of, of last year's starters prior to Brew McCoy's injury, anyway. And then I think it also shows how much this staff values culture. Again, they really like what Brew McCoy brings to the locker room and what he can add to that position group. And you're trying to set an example for Mike Matthews and those young guys too. Makes a lot of sense in that from that perspective to have a six-year guy that's that knows the knows the ropes and works the way they want guys to work in, in Brew McCoy. So I think it shows again, and when we see this all the time with coaching hires, with everything Josh Heupel does, he values continuity and he values culture. And so I think all those things play into it, but it, it makes a lot of sense to to bring him back from those standpoints. We'll assess in a year and see how it worked out, but I think there's reason to believe they're they're making the right decision based on you know kind of how those guys complement each other and just how much Prue McCoy means to that team culturally from from the inside and, and on the field. Yeah, and I think Ryan, if you look at, at the way, I don't know how many of y'all out there listening were able to kind of see this 
But I'm sure a lot of you read the quotes when 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 Nico was asked about McCoy and talked about how much of an emphasis it was and how much it meant personally for him to try to convince him to come back. But if you could just not just see those words, but like see what what Nico looked like when he said it, like that was genuine. I mean, he, he if if it didn't mean that much to him, he could have paid lip service to it and said, "Yeah, we'd love to have Brew back, yada yada." But he like went in depth a little bit on it. He was like, "I'm working on it hard. Like, I really want Brew to come back. Like, it's really important to me that he comes back." That's a, a culture kind of thing, right? Like that coaches know that kind of stuff, and when players are talking about other players like that, they know that stuff. And it, not every decision that Josh Heupel and his staff have made since they got to Tennessee was the right decision. Nobody ever bats a thousand really ever, not even Andre Dawson batted a thousand. He's the greatest athlete who ever lived, Ryan. But I think that he has made a lot more right decisions than wrong decisions. And they, they know what they want inside of their building and their culture. What was one of the biggest things that got them from where they were to where they are now. And not just the coaches, but the players like, they wanted McCoy back. He's their guy. He he is, and and the thing about that is, I, I think we, I think people hear culture sometimes, and they they just shrug it off because oh they're not, nice guys or yada yada, you know. Yeah, like they. I think I think some people diminish that, thinking that it means you're willing to take less talent over more talent because somebody's a nice guy. And there's a lot more to it than that. How many teams? How many times have we seen in the past? including some Tennessee teams, you know, off the top of my head, the 2002 team. Teams that were less than the sum of their parts because yeah. you just didn't have the right mix of guys because you had all the talent in the world, but when it came to working together and doing all the little things that can make a team great, they just didn't have it. It just didn't click for whatever reason. And sometimes it looks like it's going to click and then it doesn't. And the way you can avoid that a lot of times is, or at least do what you can to avoid that, is by bringing back the right guys and and making sure you have the right people setting the tone for the rest of the locker room. And, and so that's why I think the staff does value having a guy like Brew McCoy, uh, and, and not just him, but several others on this team, um, and, and prioritizing keeping them in this era where you do have to make decisions about who's most important to keep and who. You know, like some of the guys in the secondary, for instance, you're willing to to let walk over NIL considerations or, or whatever the case may be. You have to decide who's most important to keep and who's not. And in this case, I think Brew McCoy was valuable for you know again for a lot of reasons. It's it's because he's got a unique skill set and can block and has physicality and can make contested catches and and you know on third downs and things like that. You know, he does a lot of things that are both quantifiable and hard to quantify sometimes. And then. On top of that, he he gives you a much better chance of having a healthy locker room, a healthy culture inside your program. Uh, that, that that can be a big deal, you know. Especially as you continue to upgrade a roster, you don't want to lose what you think has made you good to this point. And I think Josh Heupel would and, and his whole staff would tell you that that chemistry and, and culture have been a big part of their success so far. And you can risk losing that as you get better talent wise. And I think he he believes and, and his staff believe that that keeping guys up boy, uh, it's important to, to make kind of veer from that path and, and bring in talent and a mix of guys that maybe doesn't quite work in the future. Um, that's not to say that, you know, losing him would have, would have devastated that, but you, you just don't know what the mix of guys is going to be when you have a, a completely new team. So the way to, to, to make sure you stay on that path is to bring back some guys that you can bring back that fit your culture and, and set the tone the way you want. And Brew McCoy certainly does that. Absolutely. Ryan, like the, the, the everyone knows that Tennessee missed Hendon hooker after he left, right? Everyone knows that Tennessee missed Jalen Hyatt. Everybody knows that they, they missed, you know, Darnell Wright and that they missed Cedric Tillman. Everyone knows that they missed those guys, but you know who else that team missed this season? Guys like Princeton Fant, guys like Jerome Carvin, guys like Latrell Bumpus, the, those kind of guys were so critical to the culture that they established at Tennessee during that time of upheaval that those guys were badly missed when they weren't in the program anymore. They were just guys that you want them to be in the building every day. And I think McCoy, in a quiet way at first, and then kind of became more and more 
you know, verbal as he got comfortable with the guys and everything. But before that, it was just his work ethic. He's just one of those guys that they feel like is a glue piece to what they're doing. And I'll always think that Tennessee's offense this season would have been a, at least a decent bit better if McCoy hadn't gotten hurt. And I think there's a reason why guys like Nico Iamaliava want him back. And it's not just because he's a culture guy. It's also because they, they feel like he fits this offense. And I just yeah. think that to me, this is, this is something that I think a lot of people might overlook how important it is getting this guy back for, and I'm not saying like, Oh, they're going to win a natty now. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is this is something that Tennessee's coaches and players badly wanted to happen. And it's huge that it did in my opinion. Yeah. And, and, and I'll, and I was just about to circle back to the football side. Cause I don't want people to think this is just a, Oh, he's a culture guy and just a solid player. Like, no, it's he's offense. more than that. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of things. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of offenses. Brew McCoy fits fits in just fine. You know, they're uh, the 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 49ers, yeah. You know, they they've they've found a good use for Jawan Jennings, a guy that in mm-hmm. some ways I think has a similar skill set and 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 strengths to what Brew McCoy brings to the field, even though they're not built identically. Um, there, and, there are and Jawan Jennings would fight uh, like a tractor trailer, and I'm not sure that Brew yeah. McCoy would do that, but Jawan Jennings would. Yes, and uh, so so yeah. Definitely not just a culture guy. I mean, let, let's let's not overlook this part. I think people forget this in the transfer portal era. The the guys that are out there in the transfer portal are often the shiny new toys. But Dante Thornton, and again, in year one, it doesn't always click for guys. Maybe year two at Tennessee, assuming he stays, is great for him. And he takes off, and he's the player Tennessee thought he was going to be this past season. But if he doesn't, he can – guys like that are kind of the cautionary tale with the transfer portal, right? Not that it worked out badly for him. He just wasn't what people thought he was going to be in year one. You can assume that a guy like, you know, pick pick the player. I mean, Evan Stewart may be a different example, but if you got anybody short of that in the transfer portal, there's some risk there. We don't know that Chris Braz was going to be mean, a star at Tennessee. Well, Ole Miss brought in quarterbacks who ended up not being better than the yeah. guy that they had. Absolutely. Now, now Chris Brazel, I think, is a fairly safe pickup for Tennessee because he's been really productive at the college level and, and good at Tulane. I think that's a projectable thing. But it's still not the SEC every week, and he might face some challenges in the SEC and adjusting to a new system and all that that might keep him from being as productive as he was last year at Tulane. We don't know. So you forget there's a lot of unknown sometimes with bringing in a new player like that, especially if it's a first- or second-year player that's not all that experienced in college, regardless of how talented they might be. And Brew McCoy's a known commodity. He was, even in a down year for Tennessee's offense, it looked like it was even in the first month of the season, he was still on pace before the South Carolina game to have about 45 catches for 600 yards. Mm-hmm. And that was after four games. Last year, he, or in 2022, had 667 yards, something like that. So in the ballpark with what he had the year before. A 600-yard receiver is a valuable asset in college. That is, I mean, that doesn't sound like a lot of yards to, to people used to NFL numbers, but in a 12-game college season, a guy you can count on for 50 receiving mm-hmm. yards or more per week is a big deal. So... He's a very productive in player addition on top to, of, In addition to the other stuff he does. Exactly. Phys- so, so, so he is a known commodity, and if you're looking at piecing together offensive production and, and, again, putting together kind of a basketball lineup that has different skill sets, there's a ton of football value in Brew McCoy. So it's not, I definitely don't want people to think this is just a culture thing. I think Tennessee's doing it for football reasons, uh, first and foremost. The culture thing is just a huge added bonus. But, yeah, I, th- I mean, again – Having that known commodity that's got two or a year and a half now, roughly, of production at Tennessee, I think it makes you feel a lot better knowing that you are going to have a, a probably a, or potentially a new starter in Chris Brazel on the outside to replace Ramel Keaton. You think that upgrades your offense. And the way it upgrades your offense is you keep two guys that were there last year that you know what you have in them and you add the new guy that hopefully gives you a boost. So, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of value in that. And hey, maybe there is still another level to Brew McCoy's game that he's even better. He's been the past two years. You certainly can't rule that out. And he, I, again, I think he certainly feels that way about his game. If you asked him, I think he's probably, he probably believes he's capable of a thousand yard season. Oh, and, and, and who's to I, say I, he's not? Yeah, I, I, I'm not saying that he's not. I mean, I, I think, I mean, we'll see, right? Quarterbacks find their favorite targets and guys that they end up being comfortable with. And if he's the security blanket for Nico, then that that's where it goes. Because, I mean, you know, yep. we'll, we'll see, you know, different stuff at the tight end position next season, a lot of different stuff and, in that offense. But, 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 Ryan, my last point was that I think you mentioned Thornton earlier, who's a guy I still really do believe in his talent. And I think in the right set of circumstances, he still could be really, really good. I, I, I just think 
this brings this raises everyone's level or most guys level because it creates more competition. You look at the best programs in the country, they are rolling two and three deep of really, really good players who are competing with each other every day and are making each other better in practice and workouts and everything else. And, and for, for every, not a hundred percent of guys, there are some guys who, if you say you're my guy, man, you're my guy and you believe in him no matter what. And he's your guy, he's your starter. Some guys out there will do better in that set of circumstances. Most guys, the majority of guys need competition on a daily basis to be the best they can be. And this creates competition because Tennessee, we know this Ryan doesn't like to move, doesn't like to play a lot of receivers. It, it has not shown a propensity to play a lot of receivers. So you're going to have six, seven, eight, nine guys competing for, for, you know, three, four, five spots, and they're going to be going after it pretty hard. And the result of that, if iron sharpens iron, you've got a good receiving core. You do. And I, I, you, you let, you let into where I was headed with this. I, I think this really does though. And I was wondering this too, you know, with people kind of thinking that Tennessee might, might have a shot at someone like Evan Stewart to add to Chris Brazel out of the transfer portal, regardless of which direction Tennessee went, you know, keeping Brew McCoy, adding someone else or both, especially if the answer is both. I mean, Mike Matthews is a five-star prospect. Most of those guys mm-hmm. come in these days expecting to play as freshmen. He certainly has shown early flashes in bowl practices that make it look like he could be a, an early contributor. Braylon Staley as a freshman already has shown some flashes in bowl practice that make people think he could contribute early. If both of those guys can play early, and I mentioned earlier, you still got Dante Thornton, at least right now, on, on the roster. You know, again, we'll see if he decides to, to, to enter the portal. And, and Webb and Nimrod are still guys with upside. Exactly. And those right now would project as, you know, one of seven or eight guys who expect to play in some form or fashion next year. So I think this getting Brew McCoy back, the interesting thing to me will be how they approach the wide receiver rotation. Do they finally loosen things up a little bit and decide that we need to rotate five or six guys every week? Maybe we need to shake things up. I I will be interested in seeing that because I think they have more guys now than they've had since they've been at Tennessee who legitimately have a case to say we belong on the field in some form or fashion. And I, I don't think they've had that since they've been at Tennessee. In year one, I think they thought they had that. And, and the problem is Jimmy Holiday, Jimmy Callaway, some of those guys showed that they didn't really belong out there with some of the other guys as much. And, and that's why they shortened that rotation at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, this will be the first time since the beginning of that season where they thought they had that kind of depth, where they really will have that kind of depth that's improved. Still not where they want it to be numbers-wise, but the reality is you've got, I think, at least eight players who will think they belong on the field, and that's assuming Nathan Leacock doesn't take a big jump this year. So it could be nine uh, by the that's time you get true. to the season. We're, we're at almost 40 minutes, and we hadn't mentioned his name at all, yeah. and he's a, so, a nice prospect. And he's a for, yeah, he's a forgotten guy because he's had some, 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 I think, struggles with consistency catching mm-hmm. the ball and things like that in year one. But it's year one, you know, we'll see what kind of not from lack of effort. Not from lack of effort. I just think he's, yeah. he's hit one of those moments in his career. So, so yeah, it, we'll see how that all shakes out. I, I, I wonder if someone ends up entering the transfer portal after spring practice based on where they stand. You know, that's always a possibility if a Webb or, or Nimrod or someone like that's frustrated, even a Leacock, you know, who, who's to say. But whatever the case may be, I, it's going to be a challenge for them because I think they have legitimately seven or eight guys that have a claim to getting on the field in some form or fashion. And I don't think that's going to work if you're only going to play three or four. I think you've got to ex- – at least consider expanding that rotation, and that's an interesting challenge for Tennessee given that they haven't shown a willingness, as you said, to, to really do that much. Great problem to have, though. That's what the best programs in the country, that's the kind of stuff they're having to deal with on a yearly basis, trying to convince mm-hmm. guys to stay and fight and not leave and go start somewhere, try to go somewhere else where they could maybe get a guarantee in their mind of playing time or stay there and fight or or don't, man. Separate the the, the wheat from the chaff. Just Just do it. Go out there and and get dudes, have those dudes compete against each other. And hey, Darwinism, like the best guy's gonna win. And the other guy, he's either gonna fight to get better or he's gonna leave. And you know what? If he leaves, he leaves. You go get somebody else. That's how it works. I just I I, I don't operate, I don't think that you you can operate, you can afford to operate from a standpoint of worrying about whether guys will leave. Like if you're having yeah. competition and you're having the kind of program you want to have, you don't want those guys anyway. Those aren't your well, kind of guys. You only have to worry about it from the standpoint of you do have to keep enough to make sure you have mm-hmm. a healthy depth sure, situation. Sure. So you don't want to. So if 
if bringing in, you know, an Evan Stewart or someone out of the transfer portal is going to run off two guys, that's something you got to think about. You know, you, you need enough numbers, but, but yeah, to your point, you, you gotta, you gotta do what you have to do for your program. And if sometimes that means losing guys from the back end of the roster, then, then, then you got to deal with that, but it's not, it's not something you have to be, uh, or not something that has to paralyze you in, in every move you make. You've got to, you've got to do what you feel is right. And the chips fall where that, where they fall. But uh, one, one final point, Wes, uh, I, I, to kind of tie this into recruiting as everything kind of, kind of does these days. Of course. It, it it, I mean, the, as a six, six year senior coming back, well, we know Brew McCoy will be gone after this season. Squirrel White's a junior. He could in theory go to the, uh, you know, he's draft eligible after next season. You know, they've got a lot of veterans on this team. Chris Brazel is even draft eligible as a third-year guy, even though he's only a redshirt sophomore. A lot of guys on this team that have experience now, it just underscores Tennessee has kind of kicked the can down the road. They've got to sign a bigger receiver class, I think, in the 2025 class. Only yeah, they can't be as picky. The they, can't, they can't be as picky, I don't think. And they can't and they can't have misses where they don't you know, have enough guys left on the board after they mm-hmm. miss out on some guys. They've got to give themselves more options and find a way to sign at least three or four receivers, I think, in the 2025 class, because that's something we've kind of said each of the last couple of years we thought they would do, and they haven't done it. And now that's why you end up in this position where you really need a Brew McCoy to stay, and you need that for numbers purposes. But now you finally have enough veterans on the roster that you obviously have to bring in more numbers in the next year's high school class. Yeah, you wouldn't want to have a – as athletic as D. Williams is, you wouldn't want to have to move him there late in the season as an emergency, or you wouldn't want to be – one turned ankle away from a walk-on being on the field against like Georgia. Yeah. You don't want to be in that situation. So, uh, and with these numbers right now, I, I don't think Tennessee, knock on wood, obviously, I don't think Tennessee is going to have that concern. So this is big news for Tennessee. Nothing is ever perfect, but this is this is very, very good news for Tennessee, I think, and good news for Brew McCoy because I think he's making the right decision. But regardless, it is done. Uh, he is coming back. And kind of a good momentum kind of period for Tennessee the last little bit continues. And it's it's good news for Tennessee. And and now we'll see going into the offseason just how much do they build on that, right? Like we're not going to be disappearing. We're, we're going to be talking about a lot of basketball and obviously a lot of baseball. There's a lot of stuff happening in the next few months. But this is Tennessee, and football is always football, and we're going to be tracking that off season. We're going to be we're going to be here telling you everything we know. Recruiting Ryan never stops. Like it's the the football season has ended, but the silly stuff's just beginning. And and, and even though Tennessee is probably you know again we'll see what happens with Dante Thornton and some others that maybe could transfer a second time with that recent rule change where now guys can mm-hmm. transfer a second time without having to graduate. That's the that's the change. Dante Thornton was not on pace to graduate, you know, Gerald Mincy and some others not in position to graduate, but maybe could consider a second transfer now. So assuming something like that doesn't happen, Tennessee probably is done with as far as departures to the transfer portal, but they're still probably not done bringing in help in the portal. So still a lot to keep tabs on as Tennessee looks to shake up its roster and add some help going into next season. And, and yeah, uh, spring, spring practice will be here before you know it too. But yeah, certainly still not done yet, I think, with Tennessee's offseason additions uh, via the transfer portal. It's crazy for me to get in that headspace because, like, basketball season is is now, like, here. You know, Tennessee's top five, like, it's here. And, and it's and then baseball season hasn't even started yet, and that's, like, a huge deal here now too. Like, it's, it's hard for me to think about spring football being just around the corner. But you know what? We stay so busy that you turn around, Ryan, and they'll be sitting there wearing sweatshirts and the start of spring practice is here. And, and it's, you know what, that's, that's awesome, man. That's love, love what we do. We stay busy and there's always stuff to talk about. Absolutely. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's become more year round than ever. Just ask any, any college coach that has to deal with stuff like this, whether. Hell, whether ask us, ask our, ask our wives, ask our families yeah. like, hell yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and whether, whether these guys are coming back, whether you're going to add someone else from the portal. So yeah, it's, it's nonstop, but yeah, even though the season just ended, there's definitely going to be no shortage of continued news and uh yeah co- coaching staff stuff got to keep an eye on that this time of year so mm-hmm. yeah definitely plenty to keep people busy in between now and the start of uh, spring practice in uh mid-march or so no doubt but for now we will leave it there and we'll be back very soon to talk about other stuff because the silly season is uh it never really stops being silly but but now the the, the silly season is is really kicking in so ryan thanks for being here man and uh, we'll see when we see you again probably won't be very long absolutely thanks for us there's that button and now i can say thank you for listening to this edition of the go vols 24 7 podcast we always say that but we always mean it thank you 
Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, but if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys.